You're listening to The Gold Derby Show on The Gold Derby Podcast Network. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Gold Derby Roundtable with Charlie and Tony. I'm your host, Charlie Bright. And I'm your host, Tony Ruiz. And today we have two of our contributors joining us. First, we have from Raleigh, North Carolina, Hunter Taylor is back on the show. Hello. And uh, joining us for the first time from Mexico City, we have Sebastian Mendoza. Hi, how are you guys? Well, I think we're doing okay. We have had, uh, uh, on this very special episode, we will be recapping our reactions to the 95th Oscars. We've had about uh, 24 hours to digest everything that's happened, and now we're going to give you our reactions. Uh, But first, we're going to start with a bit of a news item that Tony has for us involving how uh, the ratings were for last night's broadcast. Why don't you take us on that journey, Tony? Yeah, um, the Oscars uh, reached one of their highest levels uh, in in recent years with the ratings. Uh, ratings, uh, the, the 95th Oscars uh, averaged 18.7 million viewers and a 4.0 rating in the desired demo. Um, and that's a that's a, that's 12 and a half percent improvement um, over last year wow. and is uh, the highest rated in uh, the last few years. And I wonder um how much of that is related to um the movies that were nominated this year um the overall quality of the show and what do you guys think Uh, i mean part of it i think uh a a small part of it i i do think that the films really contributed uh to those to that bump but i do think a small part of it was since uh last year's was such like a meme show uh from from like the will smith stuff i feel like maybe some people got a bit of fomo from not watching last year and uh and decided to tune in uh to this edition but i do think that like a top gun and avatar and such films and even everything everywhere being such a crowd pleaser uh i do think that those helped in in raising the the numbers yeah i was hearing um if from people in my life who don't really follow the oscars they everyone saw everything everywhere all at once and like you said top gun and i just think the the popular it was the year of like i don't want to say the year the blockbuster at the oscars but there are so many of them i really think that was a big part of the big draw i think if people care about the movies that's always like the big thing they're like these movies are a slog no one watched these movies people would watch these movies people really enjoyed these movies and i think that is a good mix when it comes to the Oscars, I mean, we want the prestige, yes, but I think you also need to get people who really saw them and people who really enjoyed them. I, I'm I'm on the same page as you guys. I think you can't um, you can't take away the idea uh, that this was because of um, uh, uh, the movies uh, that were nominated. The fact that you had you know those huge blockbusters, you know, Top Gun, Avatar, Elvis, everything everywhere. Um, as well as, you know, your normal film crowd. And you got to think of something like, you know, um, I, I was thinking of, you know, my favorite part of the telecast, and we'll get into this also a little bit later, but my uh, being the performance of Natu Natu, you have to wonder if maybe there was a huge, uh, maybe Indian American uh, 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 contingent tuning in uh, to see that performance and possibly see the first uh, Indian production win an Oscar. And sure enough, it did. Um, I mean, that doesn't always happen. You know, I don't think there was a large German contingent uh, waiting to see if All Quiet would uh, avenge the loss of World War One. But, you know, it, it was it was worth a shot. 
Well, one of the things that I think is interesting about about this growth is that you know, and there's going to be the naysayers, and we've already I've already seen some of them on social media basically talking about you know, oh, wokeness is killing the Oscars, which you know I just can't with those people, and 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 yes, you know, this is basically you know still a low number in comparison to Oscars past. That has nothing to do with the actual awards themselves. Award shows just by their very nature have kind of fallen off. But what I find interesting is that it's been three consecutive years of growth in the viewership, which is really bucking a trend. I mean, the Grammys got a, a small bump uh, earlier this year, and but the Emmys um, kind of cratered. Uh, the Golden Globes did not do well in the ratings. Um, so I think there's something to be said for you know yes are the numbers probably where they wanted to be no will they ever be that again no um i don't think we're going to go back to the titanic year of 55 million people watching the oscars that's just mm -hmm. not realistic but the fact that there is growth shows that the death knell for award shows i think um i i think has been rung prematurely are, are those numbers that you shared are those the worldwide numbers right now it's just u.s Okay. Um, I, I was and, and say... again, these okay. aren't the final revised numbers. You know, usually, you know, the way you have to be like a PhD level statistician to try and figure out how they calculate this stuff. But, um, you know, there, they, there will be a revised number, um, mm -hmm. you know, assuming seeing like where people who watch later, you know, the DVR numbers and things like that. Right. Well, I mean, what, what I was going to say was that I'm sure it, the Latin American uh, contingent uh, would have been raised this year because from what I understand around South America, HBO acquired the rights to the Oscars. So that's how I watched them here in Mexico was through uh, HBO Max. And uh, same, I think, with like Chile and a couple of other countries were watching it through HBO. Uh, and I, I personally think that that's the future uh, for for these award shows. I would like I, I, you don't know how excited I was. Like the day of the Oscars, that I found out that I could just go on to HBO Max and watch this. Uh, like every year, having to try and like find like either like a a channel here, uh, the channel like the the live broadcast is in they dub it in Spanish, so I'm I didn't want to watch that, so uh, I would have had to find some sort of stream or something. But yeah, the fact that it was on HBO like made my life so much easier, and I feel like uh, I feel like I'd I'd watch a lot more stuff. I think it was my first time ever watching the SAGs fully and not just the highlights this year because it was on YouTube. Uh, so personally, I think that it, that's the way it should be, or that's the way it should be heading. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Charlie. Oh no, 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 you go on. I agree because I mean, so many people have what do they use the phrase "cut the cord"? <laughs> so no, not a lot of people have live television anyway. Um, mm -hmm. So the the SAG being on Netflix's YouTube and being on Netflix next year, that's so much easier. I mean, I had to get a free trial of something just to watch the Oscars, and <laughs> that's like my favorite thing to do is watch award shows. And even I'm not going to commit to sixty dollars a month to do live television. So I think that is definitely the future. Just when we talk about media consumption in general uh i think that's i agree right with you there well um not talking uh you know not talking about it i think we've pretty much wrapped up everything about the about uh the reaction about the the ratings for the show i think we should probably talk about the show itself how does that sound good idea <laughs> well what did, uh, what did you think charlie 
Well, since you asked, um, I thought it was one of the uh, better shows we've seen in the past 10 years. I think this was a, a fantastic uh, show. It, it it didn't need to be, uh, you know, I was saying this to you guys earlier, they didn't need to reinvent the wheel. Mm-hmm. And uh, I like that I've been seeing, I, I, some of the headlines that I've been seeing online have kind of irked me where I've seen them say, I've seen them say, the Oscars were kind of, were kind of uneventful, but then it says dot, dot, dot. And that's not, and that's fine. And, and I'm kind of on the same level, you know, it, it, it didn't need to be this insane extravagant thing. They just need to do what they do well. And I think the fact that you had Glenn Weiss and what's the other guy's name, Ricky Kirshner, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But that you had them not only directing, but also producing the ceremony. These are people that understand uh, how award shows work. They understand what works with award shows, what doesn't. And I think Kimmel has, I think it's been interesting seeing him mature as a host of these, uh, you know, uh, uh, with this and the Emmys, going back to his first Emmy hosting stint uh, 10 years ago in 2012 to what he's uh, done now, three hosts, three stints as Emmy host, three stints as the Oscar host. And I think he's done a great job. What, have, what do you guys think? I completely agree. I wrote in my review that is on Gold Derby, um, my review of the telecast, I, I think Kimmel is as good of an Oscar host for this generation as you can hope for because he threads that needle um, from being you know contemporary enough uh, to – but also being classic. And I think for this ceremony in particular, it, there was there was just a kind of a relaxed energy to it. Uh, that there was an old fashioned, and I I know people you know poo poo the world the word old fashioned, but you know it it's it's nostalgic because it was good, um, and and that makes everything great. Now, did everything work great? No, um, I, I I've always said I don't think hosts need to go into the audience. It you know never ends well when that happens. Um, I think some of the presenter banter went on a little bit bit too long. Um, I'm not sure what the hell was happening with David Burns' performance. Um, but overall, I mean, it 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 was a it was a quick three and a half hours. Um, it did never it never really felt sluggish to me. Mm-hmm. There was a palpable energy in the room. And how kind of refreshing, you know, we'll talk about the winners later, uh, that when you have history made on so many different levels, as we had in the ceremony, that it was an enjoyable show to watch, you know? So I left, I left the show last night, just kind of feeling like, ah, you know, just kind of like, okay, that's good. I'm happy now. Um, uh, Hunter, what about you? Uh, yeah, it's, I always think it's good when I don't want to use the term uneventful, but when there are no like disasters, um, cause I would rather have a, a ceremony that doesn't have like super low lows rather than something where we hit and we miss every single time. So I was fine with it being quote unquote uneventful. Um, I thought he did a great job. I've been hearing comparisons to Billy Crystal just without the songs, Maybe not quite that level, but I I thought it was much better than the uh, previous times he's hosted the Oscars. Mm-hmm. Um, and I agree with you about not going into the audience. I mean, you had to go all the way to get to Jessica Chastain there. I mean, the fourth, it, it didn't seem like they were in on in on it. You know what I mean? Unlike something like last year when you had... Um, <laughs> when you had them going to uh, Kirsten Dunst and uh, Jesse Plemons, like that was planned or we believe it was. I, it didn't seem like they had talked it out 
for mm. this evening. You don't go to Malala for a bit. Yeah, <laughs> not at all. There's other people in the audience, not Malala. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with what all of you guys are saying. I think personally for me, the thing that I most appreciate about the show was I I thought it it paid like a respect to the to the craft of cinema like more than in previous years, right? Like, you know, last year was like a shit show how they, you know, like cut out like a lot of the categories and then don't get me started on like 2021, I guess, when uh when they didn't even show any clips the entire ceremony. Like we want to see clips, we want to see examples of the thing that's being awarded. We want to see obviously clips of the actors. Uh and I thought that just the fact that they even had like little introductions for like to talk about the shorts and uh, it felt refreshing to me because I felt like I hadn't seen that in a few years. You know, I remember like it reminded me of like when I was I would watch them in like high school uh, where where like every category was kind of given its due. Uh, so I appreciated that. Yeah, I want to just really quickly talk about the clips, because one of my favorite parts of the show was the way that they did the clips um, is that it is that each clip almost felt like a little mini montage it wasn't mm -hmm. just one scene it was one scene you know voiced over other moments yeah uh, totally. which i thought showed a lot of you know you could see more than just one one section of a performance i thought the way they did the clips was was wonderfully done mm -hmm. yeah this is the best <clears throat> this is the best i've seen them done since uh i really liked what they did in 2019 with the or i guess 2020 technically with uh, where they showed the compilation, like a minute a minute compilation of all the performances from the category, and then just said, "Here are the nominees." Uh, but this uh, but this also worked really well, and I felt like it really just um, as you as, you know, like what they did in twenty twenty, it it gave you know a more um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, I would you would think I would know this since since I write for this damn website. Um, but, uh, it gave it a more well-rounded and more like, and it, and it gave more depth to these performances, especially like, cause the thing that I think is the most infuriating thing with, with clips is when you get the same clip over and over and over again for a specific performance. And this just gave a nice, and this just made, made them all made these performances that we've all, that we've all already seen, but gave them that richer feeling. And I really, really enjoyed that. Yeah, totally. Totally agree. The, I mean, I guess the only way that that didn't work was with Judd Hirsch because he's only in like 30 <laughs> seconds of the movie. <laughs> I still thought it, I still thought they did a good job with it. You yeah. know, it's still like like and, you know, I just love like art family to tear you apart. You know, I love that. Well, yeah. and I think one of the interesting things for me was. Um, is that I thought the choice of the clips was so well done. Uh, not just the presentation of it, but because you weren't necessarily seeing the same one over and over again. Um, I thought that, uh, you know, <laughs> what I thought was really interesting was Jamie Lee Curtis's kind of clip because, you know, in the context of the film, I don't think that maybe that scene has the same power, but when you cut the Deidre's, the Deirdre stuff with the other aspects of the film um, and then it, I thought that just landed perfectly. I thought, you know, so. And people are going on about her on Twitter and, you know, we'll touch, touch on that later. Um, did you guys have any particular favorite jokes that Kimmel had uh, during either the monologue or throughout the ceremony? 
Uh, I, I loved the um, I loved the <laughs> calling Steven Spielberg and uh, Seth Rogen the Joe and Hunter Biden of Hollywood. I thought that was <laughs> yes! just yes! amazing. I thought that was so perfect. <laughs> that was wonderful. That was wonderful. And by the way, I do have to call call Steven Spielberg out on something. Uh, I'm sorry. I don't. I I do not believe him when he says he's never smoked weed. He was a filmmaker in his 20s in the 70s. He's at least gotten a contact high. <laughs> at the very least. <laughs> I really liked uh, just when they were, he was listing off everybody who they would have to like cross cross paths with in order to get to the stage with like Michelle Yeoh and uh, <laughs> and ending with I'll beat the Lydia Tar out. I just was like, that's great. I was like, please mention Kate just in some way. And I thought that was wonderful. <laughs> Yeah, I, I agree. I thought the part that made at least my crowd, the crowd that I was with, laugh the most was uh like I think Jimmy Kimmel did handle well like the the Will Smith stuff from last year. I thought like references to that and kind of the the, the joke surrounding it, I thought it wasn't it didn't go on too long and it, it hit the point and it like it 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 always seems nice when it when he's like making fun of the Oscars themselves, you know. It's always like refreshing when when a host can do that a little bit, and I felt like he kind of straddled that line really well. Yeah, I, I love like the hitch. I love about, the hitch lines. <laughs> I liked how his jokes about the slab were not where they were about like other aspects of it. I mm -hmm. like how he the first way he brought notice to it that, that he referenced it was in talking about we have five Irish actors. Uh, nominated tonight, which means the odds of a fight breaking out on stage just rose exponentially, yeah. which was a yeah. great joke on its own. And then um, uh, I love that it's not just the, the joke itself, but also his rhythm. I thought his rhythm was the best it's ever been. And my personal favorite was, you know, if anybody assaults anyone on stage, do exactly what you did last year. Nothing. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Totally. That that was the one I was trying to, I was trying to put my like pick uh I was trying to find in my brain the exact joke that was that made everyone laugh and it was that one and and right before that saying if you commit violence you will win the Oscar for best actor and be allowed to give a 19 minute speech defending your actions <laughs> yeah that that was I thought that was spot on and I thought like laughs wise that was probably the the highlight uh as far as I can tell because obviously it always influences what you think of like a joke lands when it's other people around you that are laughing, you know? Uh, and so the fact that I watched it this year with like a big crowd of people and the fact that everyone laughed at that joke, I thought that was the one that like stuck to me the most. Because to me, it, it's, it actually surprised me that no one has joked about that aspect mm -hmm. of the slap, which is actually probably the thing that has probably, that's probably annoyed all of us the most about how, how that went down last year. Um, I also loved... Um, when he was saluting John Williams, he said, by the way, if you've never made love to the theme for Raiders of the Lost Ark, you are really missing out. Um, <laughs> I also I also loved what he said. There's a difference between film and television. In television, you can't lose $100 million. By the way, where are the people from Babylon? Uh, and I love how which... all the crowd just went, ooh, and he said, I'm just asking where they are. <laughs> <laughs> I like that he called the audience out on that. Yeah, and yeah. Then... The only the only time that I thought Kimmel, you know, kind of missed it was the Robert Blake joke. I thought was a little odd. I loved it. I I was I was really laughing at that one. Yeah, I like the James Cameron um, and uh, Tom Cruise one too. I was like, oh, 
Well, I wasn't quite sure. I, yes. was, I was like, who's going to say anything? <laughs> Actually, that that one also stood out to me. James Cameron and, and Tom Cruise being the ones who uh, have been wanting everyone to go to the theater, except they're the only ones who didn't. Yep. Uh, I thought it was good. I also liked his uh, clever line about uh, we put the categories back because that's what the movie community wanted, as opposed to, uh, as opposed to what the television community did not want. I thought that was a... <laughs> I thought that was a good line too. I also love that he brought out Jenny the donkey as his emotional support, a support animal. Like I, when he brought out the donkey, I was like, "Oh, it's Jenny." And then when I saw emotional support on the side, I was like, "That's it." <laughs> you know, I was actually uh, a couple of my friends and I were a bit confused when the donkey showed up because we had just watched EO the night before and we could have sworn <laughs> it was from EO and we were like whoa what a niche like gag and then we're like oh right Banshees it's like the most nominated <laughs> movie of the year but <laughs> we were like oh my god EO is on screen we got so excited by it <laughs> I, you know what I'm not gonna I'm 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 actually going to applaud that that reference yeah you know, the fact that because because you know for those of you who have not seen EO, please do. <laughs> yeah. yeah, EO, I thought was really, really great. But, but I was just like also paying respect to like Jimmy Kimmel for like, wow, great reference. Like really, really making a joke straight to the film nerds in the crowd. Other two jokes. There are two other jokes that I really enjoyed from him. Uh, after making the Babylon joke, uh, I like that he said that uh, Batgirl became the first superhero ever to be defeated by an accounting department. Um. And I also liked when he said, uh, when he was talking about, um, you know, some of the, like Jim Cameron not being nominated. I'm saying it like I know him. James Cameron not being nominated for directing. Uh, when he said, what do they think he is, a woman? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I like how at first the crowd was like, they were very uncertain, but then when they realized they're like, oh, it's not an insult. They were like, okay, yeah, no, we're with it. We're still with him on this. We're still with it. <laughs> so... Um, you know, we talked about, you know, what worked with Kimmel and what, and what we thought of the ceremony. Let's talk about the winners. Um, hmm. I can't remember what won last night. <laughs> <laughs> like three movies. Yeah. So everything, everywhere, all at once wins seven Oscars, including picture directing, original screenplay, lead actress for Michelle Yeoh. Supporting actor for Ki Hoi Kwan, supporting actress for Jamie Lee Curtis, and film editing. Wow, that is the most we have had for a best for a best picture winner since Slumdog Millionaire won eight in two thousand eight. So that's uh, fourteen years ago. Uh, uh, what, what was your guys' reaction to those Everything Everywhere wins? Well, you know, uh, so. As I have said, this is a film that doesn't necessarily work for me. However, I understand why people love it. Um, so I respect it. it. It doesn't work for me personally. What shocks me is that this film has done something that no film has ever done. Um, and that is to win three acting Oscars, which has only happened twice before. But it's the first film to win three acting Oscars and win Best Picture. Mm -hmm. Um and to think that we haven't had a film win three acting Oscars since 1977, um, since Network, um, that this film, which got skunked at BAFTA, um, which I'm almost wondering if that was actually a good thing that it made 
American Academy voters just kind of rally around it. No, BAFTA, you're not going to tell us anything because BAFTA, the correlation between BAFTA and the Oscars was really bad this year. Yeah. Like, really bad. Um, but I, I love uh, I, uh, Michelle Yeoh winning is historic. Um, you know, I actually, the person I felt the, I felt uh, I had a lot of feeling for there was, uh, was, was Halle Berry because I had read an interview with her where uh, 20 years after her Oscar win, she was like, yeah, I'm still the only one. So nothing changed. And the fact that Halle Berry was giving her the Oscars, so you have the only two women of color to win lead actress uh, was how, really special. And I'm so glad that it went that way. Otherwise, how we nervous had a really uncomfortable how nervous moment. were we all when we when we saw when we heard that when when we realized that Halle Berry was going to be helping to present that off that award? Yeah, it had the makings of a uh, of the pandemic year with uh, Anthony Hopkins, yeah. and I was like, but but I'm glad it worked out. And um, I'm I had switched from Kate to Michelle to Michelle literally that day because I was like I I was just I was kind of just sticking to my guns, but then I was like are you kidding? She's, she's going to win. Michelle is going to win. Um, so I loved that she, I love that she won. And, um, now I'm excited for the Wicked Movie Trailer Academy. I won winner Michelle Yeoh as Madame Morrible. Um, just ready for that to happen. Um, but, uh, also, uh, the Jamie Lee Curtis win and her speech, I know some people are talking online, but I, I was really excited to see her win. I'm, I was sad for Angela Bassett, but, uh, if it's Jamie Lee Curtis, I mean, what, what can you say, you know? I wonder how many people are going to make, are going to have some sort of Halloween costumes of just Angela Bassett just death staring. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm going to say something controversial. The fact that um, that that was the reaction she had um, kind of makes me kind of feel a lot happier about Jimmy Lee winning. Um, <laughs> because I'm sorry, Angela. As much as I love you, please don't at me. But. You know, you were not guaranteed to win that Oscar. <laughs> this was um, the category that was keeping us all in suspense. This yeah. was a category that was keeping you knew it was going to go one of probably three ways. And, you know, you don't have to be thrilled, um, but you're an actor. At least act gracious. And, you know, uh, you know, I I was very happy because I predicted Jamie Lee Curtis and people were, you know, just I was feeling all sorts of pressure from all sides to switch to Carrie or to stay with Angela. And I stuck with Jamie Lee Curtis. Um, I wish I had had the same uh, foresight to stick with Brendan Fraser because I caved on that one and switched to him. But I thought that, you know, the winner speeches were great. Um, yeah. But in those moments, I don't necessarily, I, one thing that bugs me is when people say, Oh, I didn't think their speech was that good. Oh, I didn't think their speech was that good. They just want a freaking Oscar. Um, what I loved was that none of them brought out a piece of paper, um, that they kind of just went with their emotions. You know, that's what I want to see. I want to see genuine feels. And from all four acting winners, you got genuine feels and not, I'm too cool for this, you know, attitude about, oh, look at how great I am. I won an Oscar and I have no emotion about it whatsoever. You know, there was shaking, there was tears. I thought Jamie Lee Curtis's speech was so great because I'm an English teacher and I love repetition. You know, that refrain of, you know, we won an Oscar, I won an Oscar, closing it with her parents. Oh my God, I was just so happy uh, for her. And um, so I was really happy with the winners. And I think yeah. he, um, the interesting thing is that I think he, Hikwan, has shown, 
you know, especially it's so tough when you when you are winning repeatedly. And I'm guessing the pressure to have some sort to, you know, have something different to say every time. I mean, Lord knows we were uh, uh, mocking uh, with love uh, Lady Gaga during her uh, shallow year with the whole hundred people in the room thing. Uh, and, um, you know, we were, but it was, it was a repetitive thing and uh, it was nice. I'm, I'm kind of with you on the uh, piece of paper thing. Um, it, it depends on who, on who, on who's using it because um, what was great is that these four acting winners they handled it brilliantly, but sometimes you see someone just up there and they're just stammering and you're just like, okay, you could have used a little help on this. Right. Um, but, and it doesn't necessarily to me take away from that, but I understand where you're coming from on that. Sebastian, yeah. what do you got? I, uh, I don't know. I think I was, I was just, I guess I just wasn't expecting like a best picture sweep because we just haven't had one in, in a, in a long time. So I was I was thinking, you know what, you know, like I did actually stick with Kate Blanchett. I was like, you know, the the Oscars, like as much as uh, as people want this to happen, you know, I just couldn't get Anthony Hopkins out of my mind. I was like, you know, like sometimes these guys are snobs and they re they just really weren't all that snobbish uh, last night. I felt uh, with with their picks. Uh, they really rallied behind that movie. And even in places I thought that was my my one complaint with the winners was that I felt in a lot of instances, stuff that I thought was like blatantly, like clearly not the best of that category, but they're kind of doing it because they sort of like the movie a lot. Uh, I, I'm thinking like Jamie Lee Curtis, I didn't think she was, I thought Stephanie Sue was a stronger performance in that movie. Uh, but additionally, there's like other actors in that category that I thought were a bit more deserving. I, ne I never thought Angela Bassett was going to happen, not even when she was winning stuff at the Globes because... I, was, I just didn't think they would go for Black Panther. Um, but other than that, like for me, the one that stuck out to me was like the, the animated short. Cause I just thought that like, that was like, I think I thought it was clearly the worst of the five. I don't know if you guys agree. Uh, but then I was also sad cause Babylon, like it's also a very, very flawed movie. And I don't, I don't, I know it's not everyone's cup of tea, but like incredible production design, really catchy music that uh, had a lot of people, hoping it would win as well. So I thought that was my my big takeaway was just like, I, I felt like, okay, they really liked All Quiet and they really liked uh, Everything Everywhere. And sometimes they just kind of went for it despite those not being like their strongest categories. Yeah, one of the things that, the only ones that I got wrong were all the ones where I had predicted Elvis to win. Mm -hmm. oh, um, yeah. Because I had... <laughs> I had I had Elvis winning in so many places in I had in four different places and those were the four that I missed. Wow. Um, you know, it was the first year in a long time that I got all the shorts right, um, and uh, but I was really really shocked that Elvis went home empty-handed. Like that shocks me more than Banshees going home empty-handed because we've seen certain films. You know, The Irishman went zero for eleven, so we've seen acclaimed films go home empty-handed but i didn't think elvis would be one of those I, I i don't know why i i i thought they liked it better especially yeah, after bafta yeah well especially if you add that like the fact that it was fablemans and tar and banshees and elvis it's like those those four are arguably like 
we're pretty strong. Like we're like on the better half of the, of the best picture lineup, not in terms of quality, but in terms of like likelihood to win best picture. I thought at any given point, like at one point, the Fablemans people thought were like, we're predicting it right. At, at different points, people thought that like tar was like, was, was a lot stronger than maybe we were expecting because it overperformed in nomination. So it was a lot of those films that people thought like, Oh, you know what, they actually are quite strong. And the fact that, not that one of them failed, but the fact that all four of those films went home empty-handed, I thought was the biggest surprise to me. Yeah, I really thought we were going to get another Catherine Martin double dip with uh, the design. I did too. And uh, and I kept saying last night, I was like, I'm predicting Elvis for this category. But I mean, every time I predict Elvis, it's it's as I was saying to the people who were with me, I was like, every time I predict Elvis, it goes the wrong way. So maybe I should be quiet. Um, I was I, I just I really that like you said that that to me was the biggest surprise of the night that I just got completely blanked there. Yeah, I was that was the thing. And I was texting. I was I was saying this in our um, in our uh in our online uh, discussion thread, or as I call it, David Buchanan's eavesdropping uh, that he posts on our website, um, where I was just going, where, you know, I think it was after both the losses in makeup and costumes where, you know, I found myself going, wait, is Elvis going to go home empty handed tonight? And it was even more, and like you, like I, like you guys said, it was even more shocking than the, than Banshee's going home empty handed. Um, that just that just completely blew my mind. Um, I loved the wins for uh, All Quiet um, on the Western Front. I thought those were uh, great. Um, curious, um, where did you guys have All Quiet in your production design lineup? <laughs> that I think. Oh uh, was... God, I'd have to go back and look. I think uh, I had it in four. I, I did have I it third. Two. I have yeah. it third. Uh, I I thought it had a better chance than um, than Avatar. Uh, personally. Um, but I, I think I just kind of caved on, I think, I think Elvis, I just really caved on like the bandwagon, you know, because I personally didn't love Elvis. Uh, and so if I'd been making kind of the predictions in a vacuum, I wouldn't have thought like, especially production design, I didn't think, I thought it was like a particularly like strange category for it to be so high on the odds. But I was like, well, you know what, like if everyone else is like kind of agreeing that that's like the spoiler for production design, if like, if Babylon for some reason loses, then like I'll, I buy into it. Right. Uh, just because it is like a period piece and, you know, for, for all like the conventional Oscar reasons, I felt like it had a chance, but I, I frankly, when people like, when I started hearing that it could be a potential spoiler in production design, I was like disappointed. I was like, I don't think like exactly what sets like stood out to you. Right. Um, so I did have, I did have all quiet just underneath it. Um, but it was it was it was a shocker because I thought like Babylon had swept the the season in in production design. It even won in BAFTA. Yeah, that was the thing. It even it was still able to come through at BAFTA, and you know you would you would you were kind of thinking you know if it was able to pull it through there, then maybe it could still do it you know elsewhere. You know, it's, it's sort of like the editing one for Everything Everywhere at BAFTA, where they 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 said no to that movie across the board except editing. Yeah. Um, yeah, totally. Where did you guys land on um, on uh, adapted screenplay? I'm curious. I had oh, women nice. talking. I did have women talking, and I was glad. I glad I. Uh, I never. I don't think I ever switched from Sarah Pauly. Um, I I never did either. 
Yeah, I was a really big fan of that movie. And I I think I mentioned it last time I was on. I just can't believe how it shook up. But I'm glad I'm glad she walked away with something. Um, I think that was the correct win. I think they got it right. Uh, and, and again, people were just talking about All Quiet. Yes, it was definitely like the stronger movie in the category. But number one, was the script the strongest? Number two, was the adaptation even like the strongest? Because I know a lot of people um, were griping about how it wasn't necessarily the best adaptation from the source. And I just, I, I, I never bought into it. Well, as the high school English teacher here, I, oh, I'm sorry, that's you, Tony. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's a book that I have taught uh, uh, many, many times. And I am not uh, a stickler for being particularly when it comes to literary adaptations, I'm not a stickler for, you know, following plot point by plot point, following the book, because you can't do that with certain novels. And All Quiet is one of those novels that needs expansion because so much of it is, you know, limited character point of view from from the character of Paul. Um, and the, I thought that the way that they expanded it was beautifully done. Um, and I thought that some of the choices, particularly the choice to describe how they basically staged uh, Paul's death, which is never described in the book, I thought was perfect. I thought it was, was perfect to the spirit of the book. That being said, I think what, I, it was so funny, the, the, the discourse over adapted screenplay over the course of the season was hilarious because the minute that Women Talking got into Best Picture, people were like, oh, yep, adapted screenplay is over with, blah, blah, blah. And then around BAFTA, when All Quiet won everything at BAFTA. It's like they completely forgot about that. Um, and I understand why they did. What ultimately convinced me to stay with Women Talking um, was the fact that war movies, and I'm not talking about movies that are just set during wartime, but actual war films where battles are taking place, where those big set pieces happen, those never win screenplay. Hmm. Never. It does not happen. You could make an argument that the Hurt Locker kind of defies that trend, but that was also much more of a character piece than All Quiet, which was kind of this vast, expansive uh, thing. And so I, I felt really pretty confident. And then about a split second before, <laughs> before they opened the envelope, I was like, oh, crap, what if I'm wrong? <laughs> you know? But that's what we do when we when we stick to our guns. We know that we're we might be wrong. So that's just that's just a chance you take with this. The I thing was, that kept uh, me from sorry. the thing that kept me from predicting women talking was that the only real uh the 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 WGA win a lot of people were pointing to, but then I thought to myself, well, that's just writers. And if it was just writers voting, I probably would be pick predicting women talking to win, uh, because it is such a writerly movie. Um and I'm glad that the Academy, that the voting members of the Academy saw it that way, because I'm with you, Hunter. I thought that was an incredible, I thought it was an incredible movie. And I thought that was an incredible screenplay. So I'm incredibly happy that she won. I'm just immensely pissed that I was wrong. I, uh, my, my friend and I were, were, were making bets on the nominate, like online for, for a lot of these uh, categories uh, to, to make some, to make some cash from the, from the show. And uh, and I was trying to convince him, like, no, man, all quiet on the Western Front. We got it. We got to bet on that. Uh, and then I think that the day of the Oscars, or maybe like the night before, I realized, 
I, I finally like stuck to women talking. I, I I can't remember if I ever switched to all quiet, but if I did, I switched back to women talking. Uh, for the one reason being that talking is in the title of the movie, I thought like you know what like. <laughs> that's you know what like that's that's that pushed me over the edge I was like it's gonna be women talking it's gotta be that uh that's like you know the reason you know uh what was it the sound of metal you know like it was locked for sound you know I mean obviously there were other reasons it was it was gonna win sound anyway despite the title like regardless of the title but um but yeah it was it was a title for me for women talking though like you know what I, I feel like there are just enough voters to be like oh yeah just talking like it's gotta be the, the talking movie so the secret, the secret to getting Angela Bassett her Oscar is for the third Black Panther sequel to be titled Black Panther, Angela Bassett Forever. Yeah, exactly. Or no, Black Panther, Angela Bassett talking to the sound of Wakanda. <laughs> Wearing great costumes. Not that, not so that, that Ruth, Ruth Carter, Carter needs our can, help. So that Ruth Carter's too okay. can have a third friend with her. <laughs> That was a great. I um I found uh speaking you know was, uh you know I want to talk about the speeches also um uh with some of the other one I, mean, I know we covered the, some of the everything everywhere uh, speeches but I thought Ruth Carter's speech was incredibly moving um talking about that I did I didn't know that she had uh that her mother had just passed away this past week um 101 years old dear wow that's incredible um. And uh, I, I, my first thing is I love when she got up on stage. First thing she says was "Nice to see you again." <laughs> I just thought that was incredibly charming. Um, and Tyne I just Daly did that. Tyne Daly did that on one of her Emmy wins. She's like, "Oh, I think it was for judging Amy." She was like, "Oh, how lovely to see you all again, especially from this vantage point, <laughs> <laughs> as only Tyne Daly can do." And also, I got to plug. I got to plug uh, Ruth Carter, uh, a graduate of Hampton University down in Hampton Roads area of Virginia. So, you know, power to her on that. Uh, I thought my um, favorite speech of the night was RRR for best song. Oh was, my god! I just oh thought my god, was that, that made my day. I loved it. I, I yeah, I, I was just rooting for that movie. I thought like. I didn't care kind of anything else that was going on that whole ceremony. I was just like, as long as like Natu Natu gets the best song and that we get a good like like uh, performance for it, like it'll it'll make the entire Oscars worthwhile. That was yeah no. When he started singing to the tune of Top of the World, I was just like, oh my god, this is the most. This is like this is like it, it, it reminded so me so adorable. It reminded me, and Tony, you and me will remember this moment, um, when Stanley Donnan won his honorary Oscar, and he actually orchestrated it with the or with uh, with the orchestra. So he started singing "I'm in Heaven" uh, during it, and actually tap danced and tap danced while he was, you know, and he was what in his seventies when he won that. I, I think? think he was in his eighties, maybe. He may have been, yeah. No, he was he was up there and he was and he just owned the stage like he was doing a one man show it was incredible and uh now we can add uh uh mm kiravani to that as well um and uh yeah what uh hunter what were some of your favorite speeches well i know we already talked about uh the everything but again jamie lee was definitely my favorite speech before she even got up i said i was like she's about to give a great speech <laughs> you just knew it was coming and um i know we we got a good one from sag and so I was, and i just that was definitely my number one. Uh, Kihi Kwan, also wonderful. Um, but uh, outside of them, uh, I really like I I I really liked the uh, 
international win. Um, I thought that the acknowledgement with everyone else, I really liked that they got their moment as well. And I loved the the sparkly uh, ensemble. That was wonderful too. I loved Edward Berger talking about talking about seeing Florian Hoffmeister at that brunch, yeah. and they had worked on, and they had they were, and he was an assistant to him on a film thirty years ago, and you know it's one of those things where I love the connections that this industry can have, and how the Oscars can bring back that kind of those kind of connections, like we saw when when Best Picture happened, and we saw the look of Kihi Kwan getting up on stage and Harrison Ford. Like it's something when you see Harrison Ford express like in immense emotion, because usually he's just like he's he's just Harrison Ford all the time. And that's usually great. You know, he's always just like, and here are the nominees for best picture, you know, (laughs) but the look on his face when he got up on stage, when everybody was making their way up there was like just pure ecstatic. And I absolutely loved that moment. I want to just point out a a couple of um moments that i just thought were delightful um an irish goodbye uh winning mm. what live action short and james martin who is just so good in that movie um and it being and getting serenaded for his birthday i thought that was such a class act by tom and ross the filmmakers i thought that was so great of them to yield their time to for that to happen so that james could have that experience and and i also thought um um the speech for Navalny um, to have Alexei Navalny's family on that stage, his wife and uh, his two children holding the Oscars. Because if you've seen that film, you know that this is not just about him. Um, I'm so thrilled that that, that film won. It was my favorite doc of the year. Um, It was a complete surprise to me uh, how beautiful that film was. And I thought that, um, that that was just a great moment. I'll say I also loved, um, I just noticed this watching the reaction because uh, I never appreciate the split screen reactions in the moment. I always have to go back and watch those. Um, and I noticed that at both SAG and uh, at the Oscars, uh, when Jamie Lee Curtis's name was announced, if you look at her, she yells out, shut up <laughs> every time she wins. And this is like, because I, I just found that incredibly charming. No, I, I, there weren't really any duds. I mean, I'm trying to think of, of dud speeches. I can't think of any from last night. No, I think they all worked. Um, I think they all, I, I, no, I really do think they all worked. Do you guys have anything else on the, on the speeches of the evening? No, I, I, I agree. Uh, now that Tony mentions it, that like the Navalny one I thought was, was really special. Um, having, having just seen that movie and, seeing like and just knowing you know just knowing like the injustice that's been done and having the family there i thought that uh if anyone hadn't seen that movie before like they they should watch it now because uh the end and and it'll show them just how heartbreaking that moment was uh on that stage um so i'm really glad that that won move um i also want to talk briefly about the performances that we got we got six performances total um, I mean, my personal highlight, obviously, um, and I'm sure this is going to be echoed from some of you guys. It was the Nachi Nachi performance. Um, it was so incredible. Um, I heard some, I've heard some people grappling that they didn't have the stars doing it, but honestly, like, I don't think, 
I don't think you can logically have someone doing that dance and singing at the same time. That just seems like it would be incredibly, it, it would not work. So I, I actually loved the way that they did it. I thought it was just, um, it was, it was great. Right before I was, my mom was, my, my mom was texting me during the, during the ceremony, mainly to comment on uh, the gowns that she thought were atrocious um <laughs> she didn't like Florence Pugh's gown at all um and um uh uh when uh the I can't remember what was the name of the uh woman who came on to uh introduce the number what was her name I can't remember I can't remember her name because I don't remember who it was uh well well someone look it up and, and embarrass me in, a, in just a couple seconds um uh when uh when she came on to introduce the number I texted my mom and I said get ready you're about to see something insane and <laughs> at like two and a half minutes later i get this i get this text message back from her going oh my god that was incredible where can i watch this oh, uh wow. so I, so i sent her the link to the uh to the youtube video um and she was and she was just like oh that was that was insane and i'm just i'm i'm glad that that was something that i feel was like a rallying thing for all the fans of the movie but hopefully you know a lot of people you know people saw that and went holy crap, what was that? And they go, oh yeah, let's find this movie. Yeah, I was waiting all night. Well, so a few days ago when it was announced that Lady Gaga was not going to perform, I was like, I'm not watching anymore. <laughs> I was like, all year, I was like, I'm a huge Lady Gaga fan. And I really, I know a lot of people don't like Hold My Hand. I love that song. And I was waiting. I was all year, I was like, I just need to get nominated. I don't care if she wins. I just need the Oscars performance of this song. And then it was announced that she wasn't going to do it because she was filming um, the Joker sequel. And I was like, not going to watch it, <laughs> jokingly, of course. Um, but then it was announced that she was. And I was like, this is my highlight. I love the Oscars. I was like, I'm so ready for this song. Um, and I I really liked what she did with it. I thought she did she what she doesn't she can do no wrong in my eyes though. So I'm a bit biased, but I really love that. Yeah, it was it was a really good performance. I I was uh I was impressed because I'd totally forgotten what hold my hand sounded like. <laughs> <laughs> Having like not seen you know the movie since uh since it was in theaters. Uh, and and then Lady Gaga sang, and I was like, oh yeah, it, it instantly kind of reminds you of the movie, you know. Uh, so I th I thought it was a, a great performance. And it was interesting that she gave the new context to it, um, uh, just basically, you know, talking about you know what the song meant to her, what she wrote it, and um, I mean, I, I, and I mean, I think you said it best, Andrea. You know, she, I, I really, I, I'm, I'm on the same level. I don't think she could do any wrong, you know. Whether she's in a in a designer gown or in her workout clothes, she can own the stage at the Oscars, and that's and few people can say that. And we'll come to the rescue of a photographer that has fallen. And if you haven't seen that uh, on Twitter, I highly recommend it. I haven't seen that. me either. Oh yeah, she was she was walking the red she was walking the the red carpet, and a photographer was running by her to go to get something else. And he tripped and just completely fell. And she turned right around and helped him up. It was so classy. I was like, like wow. Okay. I've been avoiding Twitter. Yeah. I was like, I was like, no, <laughs> probably best. It's always best for your mental health. Yeah. Uh, and it's certainly, it's certainly the best for my mental health, considering I'm a victim of the Adderall shortage that's going on right now. Um, but that's, a, that's, but that's a discussion for my therapist. Um, I, I thought the Rihanna performance was very good um, because I was um, 
I, I've seen so many mixed reactions to her Super Bowl performance, and I was a little bit underwhelmed by that performance. Although I guess now, just like whenever she performs, her stage has to be levitating in some way. I think that's her new that's her new thing. Um, uh, but I thought she was. I thought her performance was fantastic. Of um, of uh, lift me up, of lift me up. What do you guys think? Yeah, the only the only performance I really didn't respond to was David Burns, um, and I can't tell. You know, half the time when I'm watching David Byrne perform, I can't tell if that's what he wants or um, if there was like a sound issue or whatever. I just um, think the guy's I just think the guy's a weirdo. And I don't mean that in a derogatory way. I think I think he embraces it. And that's part of what makes him the artist that he is. Oh, completely. I am. I'm a big fan of David Byrne. So I was I was just kind of excited to to be seeing him, to be honest. I wasn't I wasn't really like nitpicking in my brain. Uh, I And I actually I. I I don't know why I wasn't expecting him to perform. I, I I didn't look at the at the at the list of like performers like beforehand, uh, and and then it like it suddenly dawned on like of course like wh- like why wouldn't he be here? And then I I guess I was just excited from the moment. I joked with on the uh, on our thread that uh, when uh, he when the hand when his hands came out. I said, oh, so they used his fingers as the inspiration for the hot dog fingers. I can't believe I never noticed that before in all the years that he's been in public. <laughs> but and the weird thing is I did, I rewatched everything everywhere all at once, like about like a month or two ago. And I, and it was, it was after the nomination. So I was actually listening for that song during the closing credits. And the song is, I actually think really good. It's just, a, it's a, it's, I, and I think someone, I think it might've been Daniel Montgomery that said this in our thread. It's a tough song to translate to in a live performance. So the one that did that, I just didn't respond to was uh, applause, which, um, you know, I'm sorry. Oh yeah. You know that the, the, all that performance served to do was to remind people that apparently, tell it like a woman, or as I mistakenly called it last week, take it like a woman. Um, <laughs> I'm so sorry about that, but I did it again anyhow, so I don't care. Um, uh, it, it, that that film existed, and I think I saw someone might have been Cody Derricks actually from NBP uh, posted on Twitter that. Uh, on Rotten Tomatoes right now, Tell It Like a Woman only has one review, so it technically does not have a tomato meter score. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that was... that's one. That's the, uh, You have to wonder, I mean, I'm not begrudging Diane Warren anything because she's, you know, a goddess, but um, I do kind of, you know, just because her name is on the ballot doesn't mean you have to check it. Uh, you know, we're we're slowly starting to get into um, Ellen Burstyn and Mrs. Harris uh, or uh, territory here. Just because her name's there doesn't mean you check it, um, because it doesn't. And and the, especially since the song I thought was kind of forgettable. I mean, I was like, it felt it was, that performance felt so forced too. Like we you know, like her, like the uh, I can't remember the name of the singer going. 14-time Academy Award nominee, Diane Warren. It's like, we know who she is, okay? <laughs> yes, we don't need you. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I I, always, like, kind of wondered if, like, Diane Warren, one of these years, like, actually writes a song for, like, a good movie. You know, she, she might go ahead and win the whole thing, you know, but she's just, you know, we, we know that no matter what she writes, she's going to get nominated. So it, as long as it's from a Best Picture nominee, I'm, I'm kind of expecting her to win. 
I mean, like, it feels like if once she actually wins a competitive one, we can stop this thing. Where hopefully, <laughs> if she gets, if she writes, you know, a great song for another great movie, then yeah, she should absolutely still get nominated. But you know, maybe hope we we thought some of us thought, you know, after the honorary win, we were like, can we stop this now? <laughs> I'm curious, do you guys do you guys have any? Um, I don't know how uh, Hunter and Sebastian how familiar you are with her past nominations, but do you? Uh, I'll throw this to you guys and Tony. Is there a uh, uh, one of her past nominations that you think she should have won for? I definitely think she should have won um, the year that Sam Smith won. I think that was kind of highly predicted <laughs> too, because she wrote with Lady Gaga, correct? From the yeah, Hunting Lady, they were both Hunting as writers. Yeah, that and the, first of all, that performance knocked me out, and it was so much better than everything else that year. And I really thought that they were going to win, so I would say that one at the top of my head. Yeah, I mean, I I'd never heard the Hunting Ground song, uh, but I was rooting for it just because I didn't want Sam Smith to win. So <laughs> <laughs> I am I have a special thing like I have a special uh, distaste for that win because um, uh, for those who may not know, I'm a massive Radiohead fan, and Radiohead had actually written the were actually the original people commissioned to write the theme for Spectre. Yeah. And the theme that they submitted was rejected by Sam Mendes. And um, as sort of a, as sort of a, you know, screw you, we're going to do what we want. They leaked the the audio on like Thanksgiving or Christmas. And when I heard it, I was like, this is, this would have been an amazing Bond. It would have been an amazing Bond theme. And like, I re- it got me thinking of like when I was 14 and I was just getting into the Oscars and I was thinking, oh, wouldn't it be cool if Radiohead won one day? And then they, they <laughs> and I'm just thinking to myself, if they had stuck with this, they could have won. But also like when you also listen to those songs, you know, I mean, Till It Happens to You is by, is, are, it, are, is miles ahead of anything else that was in there. I mean, uh, Tony, yeah. I'll, I'll let you go before I get to mine, uh, what I think she should have Oscars for. Um, I would actually only give her one. Um, I agree with the with the hunting ground. Uh, it would would have been a good one too. But of all of her nominations, uh, the only one I would have given her is uh, because you love me uh, from up close and personal. Um, because the, the the song that won that year was the additional added song for Vita. You must love me. Which, oh. And I am all for taking Oscars away from Andrew Lloyd Webber. <laughs> yes i am completely yes. in favor of that uh you know <laughs> so that sondheim could still have one more thing up on him um but yeah that's actually one of them that i would have given i actually don't mind i know a lot of people will say i don't want to miss a thing and that one is a complete would would have been completely deserved but i actually do like the song when you believe from prince of egypt that's because that movie's also a baller movie and so many people have forgotten it the animation in it is incredible Go back and watch that movie. It's wonderful. But I would also, as cheesy as the song is, Nothing's Gonna Stop Us Now is still such a Oh, that's a such banger. a great song. Yeah. And <laughs> it's one of those things. From one of the I worst just... movies ever made. <laughs> it's one of those things where I just, I, I mentioned, I mentioned the song to someone. To, I, I'll mention the song in a group of people and I'll have, and at least one person will go, Will like ten minutes later come back to me going, I have that damn song stuck in my head now, and I hate you for it. <laughs> and I'm just like, my job's done. Um, but yeah, I would. But I echo because you love me. That's that's such a great song. I have that on my '90s mix on on my uh, on my uh, playlist. And every time that song comes on, I am belt as 
especially if I'm by myself in my car. I am belting it out of key like crazy. And I love that so much. Is, is that I, the one that, that's by like Starship? Starship? Uh, Nothing's yes. Gonna Stop Us Now is the Starship one. Yeah. Huge fan of that song. I I had never I never knew that Diane Warren had written it actually. Yeah, yeah, she that was her first nomination. That was yeah, her first I, nomination. I love that song, and if we're not like big fans of Mannequin, then we we could always watch Skeleton Twins because yes! we can play that song yes! in that movie. Yes! And it's so that good. Great. I was just about to mention that. Yes, uh -huh. I love that. One movie. The greatest lip syncing scenes in cinema history: Bill Hader <laughs> and Kristen Wiig. Uh, lip syncing, nothing's going to stop us now at Skeleton Twins. One of the greatest moments of the 2010s in movies. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Um, I wish Diane Warren were nominated for Burlesque. I know that may be a weird opinion, but... That would have um, been like her best chance to win. Yeah, and you get you get Cher up there doing it. Could you have a better moment happening? I just think that would have been just perfect. Yeah, yeah. that was that was so bizarre that she... Especially considering that Cher gave her the honorary Oscar. <laughs> And and considering that that was the 2010 year, right? Because I think I because yeah, because 2011 was the because she won the Globe for it, and 2011 was the Madonna year with that We movie. So I think it was the year before that, and that was the year. So the winner that year was uh, Randy Newman. I think won his second one for the song from Toy Story Three, yeah, uh, right. which as much as I I love when Randy Newman gets to give a speech because he's just like I don't give I don't care about anything. When you when you win your first Oscar after 16 nominations and your first words out of your mouth are "I don't need your pity" as you're getting a standing ovation, <laughs> that is like that is that's BDE right there. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, that but that song from you know Toy Story three is really forgettable, and yeah. it and yeah that would have been that would have been such an easy win for her. Yeah, well. Um, uh, was there anything else that we needed to discuss with the Oscars? Um, oh, that, that reminds me. So the uh, other thing I want to discuss, there was an article in The Ringer, um, on theringer.com, by I believe his name is Daniel Joyo, or Joyu. Um, I'm, I, and if, Daniel, if you're listening and I mispronounced your name, I am incredibly sorry about that. Please feel free to direct message me on Twitter and scold me for as much, for as for as many paragraphs as you wish. Um uh, and he had a and he had an idea of uh, how to quote fix the Oscars, um, and uh, he had a very interesting uh, approach to it. His approach was to really make it like the Super Bowl, make it a uh, uh, start it or is to the main thing would be to start it earlier, and then have it in segments where you have your first uh, your first two hours started at five thirty. Your first two hours are mostly tech awards. I think like the 12 of the tech awards, that, including the shorts and also two honorary awards and then have a halftime show or like something like that, an hour long halftime show where you have all five of the original song um, nominees performed as well as selections from the five nominees for original score and have that in a separate venue I think he suggested something like the Hollywood Bowl, which would be like, come on, can you imagine like getting tickets to an Oscar, an Oscar viewing party at the Hollywood Bowl? That'd be incredible. Uh, and then for the last two, and then for the last two hours, uh, have uh, original score, original song, and then your uh, above the uh, above the line uh, categories, as well as two other honorary awards. And I just wanted to open uh, it up to you guys. Uh, what did you think? What do you think about that? What do you think of the pluses and minuses of that? Or and what are your ideas 
Um, it feels weird to do that because we had a very positive reaction to this year's Oscars. Um, but uh, do, do you have any ideas about what could be done to possibly improve, uh, not not fix them, but improve uh, the quality of the ceremony? You know, it's funny. I I looked at this and there's so much about it that makes sense. Except for one little thing. Like, I need the day to be longer. <laughs> You know how yeah, much but it starts longer... earlier than it ends earlier. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Does it? Because we still got you know it, it ends up being like a like longer than a four hour show, hour show if, yeah. we, if we do it that way. So like I guess it does end earlier, like depending on just how early. I mean, we could do it at eight a.m., but it's still like occupying more of the day. You know. True, but I mean, and, and on the plus side, you know, if if those if everything was to work in those time constraints, Lord knows they probably wouldn't. But um, you know, uh, you know, he has the whole thing starting at five thirty Eastern time. Uh, that would get it done by ten thirty uh, 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 Eastern, and then uh, seven thirty Pacific. Um, I, I I actually like that. The only thing that I think is an issue with that is uh, affiliates having their local news uh, getting uh, preempted. But I mean, whichever network is carrying the Super Bowl always has that happen. So, you know. Well, the funny thing is, is I like the way it's grouped. I, I actually think that's a pretty good idea. Um, what I don't like is, is you just made a three and a half hour show a five hour show. Because there's no breaks between each segment. It like goes right into the next thing. And I'm like, okay, um, how does that make life better? Um, the one, the, the one thing I really do like is the idea of finding a way to bring the uh, honorary Oscars and the Governor's Awards back to the ceremony. Those were always some of the great uh, moments. Um, so I wish you could do that. I mean, I think one thing that could be done. I mean, we lose so much time on having. I think they streamlined it a bit this year with having groups of presenters presenting more than one award um i thought that that helps because it saves the walkout time it saves you know the unnecessary banter time um note academy people cut even more banter um but i i find it so hard to believe that you can't get this down even further um at least I will say, I think one of the positive things is that there didn't seem to be as much filler this year. Um, we didn't have, you know, Oscars most cheer-worthy moments where literally nobody was cheering. Um, or or montages of westerns where people get shot and there's nothing, you know, you know, you know, pointless montages. Although I usually like those sometimes. Well, I'm all for like more. <laughs> I'm all for because to me, I mean, it's yes, it seems like it's such a long time because we're covering it but i mean it's once it's once a year the oscars is once a year i'm okay with it being like five hours personally i know i might be in the minority there but i'm always for give me more i want more content and i really like the idea about the halftime show if you would call it that because i love the performances i would love to hear everything in full i would love to have the focus be there um and i don't really agree with what he says about if we do it that way, you would be technically announcing when they're going to be. But I kind of like not knowing exactly when things are. It kind of makes it 
it gets the suspense going for me anyway. I'm like, oh, what's next? What's next? I, I I will sit and I will wait for Lady Gaga to perform <laughs> three quarters way through the thing, even if I don't want to watch it. But uh, I think that that is also a draw. You get fans. I understand people have qualms and like, I waited all night for this, but I mean, that's fun. Uh, I don't know if <sighs> I keep thinking about creative arts Emmys. Is there something we could do like that where it's maybe it's a whole other weekend? I don't know if anyone would commit to that though. Hmm. I uh I don't know. I think I would imagine that if if all the songs were grouped in the middle, like people wouldn't want to watch that. Un un unless you're like into that, you know. But like I think personally, I'd probably like use that time to like you know go to the bathroom and like you know like talk to my friends and just kind of have like vaguely the songs in the background. The songs have always been like the part that I least liked about the Oscars, and I'm like I'm, I think I'm in the minority uh but i'm just like i'm i'm there for like the awards i'm there for like the wins and the, the speeches uh but but so the, the way that i the thing i like about the way it is now is that it, it kind of commits me to watching the, the the songs uh because because sometimes they're like they are like truly great performances and i probably wouldn't have given them a chance if you know like it's not something i would have looked up online afterwards but like if it were like a whole hour block just for songs i probably like wouldn't like commit to watching that um but i guess i would okay love for, like a break i would love if, if they if they found a way to televise the governor's awards hmm. and not just put them on youtube so the the i was waiting for this because i know i'm in a bit i i feel like i'm in a bit of a minority here but i have uh i actually like the honorary awards not being on the main telecast because when they're on the main telecast that means that they are susceptible to the crunching of things and it makes it vulnerable to rating stunts and having to comply with that whereas i like that they have a separate ceremony you have multiple people come up and speak about a person's career especially with these honorary awards because you're honoring a person's entire career you know you and it would and as much as there have been great moments with the honorary oscars i i absolutely uh, admit that one of, if you ever want to see one of the best introductions ever for an honorary Oscar, Lily Tomlin and Meryl Streep doing the intro to Robert Altman's honorary Oscar, where it where it feels like they're doing a Robert Altman movie bit with overlapping dialogue, and you know it had to be planned precisely, but it's it's three minutes of pure gold. Um, if you ever get a chance to, if it's on YouTube, please go watch it. Um, but I like the fact that they are taking the time to honor these people's career, honor what, you know, the fact that, you know, they, you know, a couple of years ago, they gave a, an honorary Oscar to Frederick Wiseman. And Frederick Wiseman, of course, is a documentary filmmaker who's known for making, you know, you know, 87 hour movies where nothing happens. They're incredible, but nothing really happens. Uh, and um, I like that, you know, he has, they have the time, they take the time to actually appreciate their career and uh, i'm with you tony i think they should be streaming those on hbo or hbo max or something just find a way to just to, to it or you know maybe film them and then put it all together you know so that it maybe flows a bit better so you know like they, they do the rock and roll hall of fame sort of thing exactly yeah i think that could because like lord knows i would have loved to have just seen you know they gave a couple years ago uh they cross I, I got to cross one of my honorary uh recipients off my wish list with david lynch and you know getting to see uh kyle mclaughlin and laura dern be the ones to present him with mm -hmm. that 
uh, honorary Oscar was um, uh, was uh, Magical Woman, and I really think that those uh, uh, that those need to be just a solid programming package rather than just the clips on YouTube. I'm glad we get the clips on YouTube, but uh, I and I like that it's also I like that the Governor's Awards are now like a stop on the campaign trail, so we get to see all these people that are you know angling for that. And I just think it's it's also the fact that it's not televised; it makes it a bit looser. And and Diane Warren, watch Diane Warren's accepted speech. Yeah, or Spike Lee's. Spike Lee's was another great one. Uh, and getting have, having his presented to him by what the combo was. What was it? Uh, uh, Wesley Snipes, Samuel L. Jackson, and Denzel Washington. I think. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, come on. That's like you. You can't have that kind of thing in uh you know in a very restricted four minute segment on on live television. And I really and I'm with you, Tony. I'm really surprised they haven't done that yet. But um, that's something I would uh, I, I like that they have their own thing and that they get the time to actually appreciate the work of these incredible people. Um, I was really happy that um, uh, I know that these were presented a couple months ago, but I loved this year's uh, uh, crop of people. I loved that the Herschel went that the Herschel Humanitarian Award went to Michael J. Fox. I thought that was an amazing, uh, wonderful thing. Um, you know, we're going to be closing out this episode soon, but I'm curious as to, uh, since we're talking about, since uh, I got sidelined about the honorary awards from the uh, whole uh, production uh, issues, um, I'm curious, uh, what, uh, who do you guys uh, think uh, is deserve, uh, should be at the top of the list for uh, next round of honorary awards? Oh my God. <laughs> That's a tough one. I actually have a list on my phone because I'm that <laughs> It may be a little are. bit of a, I don't want to say nail in the coffin of she'll never win, but I mean, playing close. I don't know. Yeah. I, I mean, mean, I mean, she has the career that's worthy of yeah. it. Yeah. Hmm. I'll list. I'll, I, I'll list some of mine. I won't Start list naming some. Oh yeah, and then I'll see if some you, come yeah. to me. So, um, one that I've always been championing. I think John Waters deserves an honorary Oscar. Yeah, totally, uh, totally. Just for, uh, for being, you know, uh, being part of that generation, that fearless generation that said, "I don't have to go to film school. I'm just going to get my friends together, take a, a, a handheld camera, and just film crazy shit and see what happens." And I think that would be incredible. Um, he's also just such a cultural figure uh, that I think, you, and he's been such a champion for independent film over the years. And I would love it if David Lynch were to be were to be the one who presented it because um, when Lynch was trying to get Eraserhead people to see Eraserhead, uh, somehow it made its way uh, into John Waters viewing in like 77, 78. And he mentioned in several interviews that I'd seen this movie and it was crazy. And that's when the midnight screenings of Eraserhead started. Mm. Um I think Werner Herzog is uh, overdue and he would be uh, a very worthy recipient. Uh, Martin Sheen, I think would be an incredible recipient. David Cronenberg, uh, Sigourney Weaver, Mike Lee. I'm surprised his name hasn't been floated since he is 80. And he is a, and he is someone who uh, is a regular Oscar um, uh, perennial nominee. Um, Mm. Another person that's a bit more specific, but uh, Yun Wu Ping, uh, you may not uh, recognize the name, but he is a director, but has all before he was director, he was a fight choreographer. And amongst his more uh, well-known uh, projects were all the Matrix films, 
Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. He's done uh, uh, Stephen Chow's movies like Shaolin Soccer and Kung Fu Hustle. Uh, an incredible fight choreographer, um, you know, just for the Matrix films and Crouching Tiger alone, uh, I think he would be an incredible recipient. Uh, one other one that I would point out is, um, I think uh, for the Herschelt Award, I would love to see Gary Sinise uh, win that. He's done a lot of amazing work for veterans charities uh, over the years, and I think that would be a wonderful uh, acknowledgement of the work that he's done there. And I'd also throw out uh, for an honorary uh, Isabel Huppert. Yeah, I would love that. I was thinking Catherine Deneuve. That, that'd be another great one. Although I'd be kind of afraid of what she would say. <laughs> that's part of the fun. That is, that's very true. Especially if it's an open bar. Uh, I think I, at some point, I think we'll see, I think we'll see people like, uh, like Paul Thomas Anderson. Um, I would love to, uh, for, for the Herschel, I'd love to see Dolly Parton get a Herschel. That would be a great she's one. She's done such amazing stuff for children's literacy and, you know, we have some COVID vaccines vaccine. because of her. Totally. I was, I was thinking um, this will never happen because he was never actually nominated for an Oscar, but he should have been many times. Uh, Zhang Yimou, the, the Chinese filmmaker, probably. Actually, you don't have to be, you don't have to be a previous nominee. It's, it's whoever they want, honestly. So, I mean. Right. But I mean, I, I feel like, I mean, I don't know. I, you, I guess you know this better than I do, but do they not like to favor like past nominees? It, it it depends, really. It's It really depends. It can be either way. I don't know if Frederick Wiseman had ever been nominated before he uh, received his honorary Oscar. I Donald don't Sutherland if... had never been nominated. Yeah, Donald oh. Sutherland had never been nominated. That's yeah, that's, that's true. Wes Studi had never been nominated. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Well, anyway, and then in which case I'll stand strong with Zhang Yimou deserves one because he's uh, he probably kickstarted uh, China's, like, kind of art house to to now like their their entire film industry like from the 90s uh and onward like and now he's the biggest filmmaker in the probably like the second third biggest film industry in the world if not first so um i do think he's deserving yeah i i would i i think he's one that's absolutely i also think um uh uh, uh Shin. Uh, mm. would also be another one that be, would be very uh, rewarding of that. And one of the things that I think is so uh, promising about this new, more international membership as these people from, you know, around the world and these younger people get on the board of governors after being parts of the, part of the academy, I, I really am hopeful that we'll see these kind of things. Mm. I'll add a little parting, little parting shot. I would like to give an honorary Oscar to Ashley Graham for dealing with Hugh Grant's BS last night. <laughs> oh my god. I, I haven't even gotten the courage to watch it. I've just been just reading the transcript is cringe enough. Let's oh, put god. it this way. He made a joke about his face looking like a scrotum, but he acted like an asshole. So <laughs> <laughs> uh well on that note, I think we can close the book on the 95th Oscars. Before we do, are there any parting thoughts you wanted to uh, uh, give us on this very special episode. Uh, I guess just a congrats to uh, everything everywhere. It's, it's a movie that, um, that a few months ago I would have thought like, Oh, you know what? That could be like a big spoiler win. You know, that could be one that like really comes in at the last second, like a parasite style. And it just wasn't that it was, it was an, a front runner 
like up with about butt plugs and dildos and sausage fingers. So I thought that hot um, dogs. That's right. Hot hot dog fingers. Um, so I do think that uh I do think that they, they deserve an incredible amount of credit because it's just a movie that's so utterly creative for it to have actually swept basically award season is 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 a pretty incredible feat. Mm-hmm. I hope that um uh, Irish Goodbyes win prompts a really uh nice feature film. I think that would be really great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, I that agree, was, that was on, my especially on that one. And those two guys are so great that they deserve it. Um, Please keep it up, Oscar producers and writers and directors. Please keep up ceremonies like this. Mm-hmm. Give us more of this. Give us less of last year, <laughs> which was a dumpster fire before the slap. And RIP the slap so we never have to talk about it again. Remember when that was a series on NBC? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Zachary, this is like Zachary Quinto and had this all-star. Yes. Uma Thurman. Yeah. Yeah. That was like they were I remember they were really pushing it hard. This is a sign that we need to end the damn episode. <laughs> we're talking about failed NBC NBC shows. Um, We've got Emmy season to talk about that. Yeah, we got all sure. of that. Um uh so uh just a program before we uh uh say our goodbyes, I just want to offer a programming note. Uh, for the next couple of episodes, we are going to be switching to every other week, um, and uh, we'll be switching to every other week. Our next episode, we will be talking about the films that uh, my cat is trying to use me as a jungle gym right now. Um, we'll be talking about the films that uh, premiered at uh, Sundance a couple of months ago and South by Southwest, which is currently happening. Uh, and in case uh, you may not realize that they those two festivals have played big into recent Oscars. Coda premiered at Sundance at the Sundance Film Festival, went on to win Best Picture. I believe it's the first Sundance uh, winner to uh, win Best Picture. And uh, almost a year ago to date, Everything Everywhere All at Once premiered at South by Southwest. And uh, we'll probably be having on uh, some fun uh, guests from outside of the Gold Derby uh, realm since um, I don't know if any of the Gold Derby staff actually went to either the festivals. <laughs> Please tell us what that. you know more than we do. We, 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 we got to get on that. Um, I go to the one that's local for me, but you know. Um, and uh, we'll also be talking uh, in uh, over the next couple of weeks, we'll be talking about our Emmy predictions, our, some of the programs that we're excited for for the Emmys, and we will not be forgetting about the Tony Awards. We will be doing uh, a preview of the shows to keep an eye out for, predictions at, pr- predictions for the nominations, as well as uh, reactions to the nominations uh, when they come out, uh, I believe in uh, late May. Uh, May. It's early May. Uh, so we'll probably be doing a predictions episode in uh, late April for that. Um, so that's where we stand on this. Hunter, where can, where can, the, where can the marvelous people find you on the internet? Um, I am on Instagram and Twitter at um, at Hunter underscore K Taylor. And Sebastian? Uh, I like to tell people to follow me on Letterboxd. Um, I'm uh, MonkeyKong84. Uh, and <laughs> I, I picked that because I, I was always curious as to why Donkey Kong, you know, is called Donkey Kong on Mario if he's, when he's like a big monkey, you know, so... I, I I thought I put the record straight and I I made that my, my it's a fair I'm question. the only one old enough 
I'm the only old one old enough to know that to be to have been alive when that first came out. And I can honestly say this is the first time I've ever heard that question. And now I will not be able to stop thinking about it. <laughs> so thanks a lot. There's a great documentary about that video game, The King of Kong. It's a great uh, documentary from, I think, about like 15 years ago. It was a great documentary. Tony, how about you? I'm on Twitter at uh, GD Tony Ruiz. And you, Charlie, are <laughs> at Charles Bright on Twitter. And you can follow all of our writings on goldderby.com. Thank you, everyone, uh, for joining us. We know we were a late entry into this podcast season of this awards kerfuffle, but we thank you for joining us. We hope you'll stick with us as we go through the rest of the seasons. And uh, we're, it's nice to be done with this. We thank you all for joining us. Take care. We'll see you next time. For all things Hollywood competition and awards season, head to goldderby.com and follow us on social media at goldderby.